Run down Greg Mitchell where he is. I gave him the wrong folder. Amen. Where is he? Pull him out of that hole back there and tell him I gave him the wrong folder. Amen. The Lord bless you this morning. Uh, we're going to start a new study. And uh, this study uh, has to do... Phil Mayock came in this morning and asked me if I was going to exercise his demons. And so I can't get them all in one day. It's, it takes a while. <laughs> So I'm starting a new study this morning, very interesting. It's not anything new, but it's, uh, I've been, it's all been reworked uh, for this study. Uh, but uh, it's going to be dealing with the uh, flesh that we uh, all wrestle with from time to time. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 32, if you will. I'm going to uh, talk a little while, let another hundred people come in so they know what we're talking about. Christianity, uh, actually, uh, at the essence of it, is change. Uh, we sing a number of uh, choruses uh, that uh, uh, emphasize that. I've been changed. I've been reborn. All my life has been rearranged. Uh, uh, create in me a clean heart, O oh Lord. Uh, the, uh, I'm, a, I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things have passed away. I'm born again. Uh, my chains are broken. This is the new chorus of, uh, of the uh, song Amazing Grace. And uh, all of these uh, choruses depict the bondage uh, that fallen human nature uh, has to wrestle with, which is the lower nature. And uh, this is uh, spelled out uh, specifically in Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21, the works of the flesh are these, and then it works through the various uh, uh, facets of uh, expression of a fallen human nature. And uh, Jesus said in, uh, in his teaching that when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so uh, every one of us sitting here, we understand that uh, we come to a point in life when uh, we're going to come face to face with who we are. Can you say amen? Uh, uh, Christianity is not just religion. You can have religion, never uh, understand or never be born again, never come to grips with who you are and uh, the necessity of salvation. So this is the, uh, this is the story and beginning. We want to start out uh, as we begin to read in a little while about Jacob uh, coming out of uh, Haran in Turkey. As he's coming out, he's alone with God. And sooner or later, every one of us are going to be alone with God. That means a moment when you're going to come to grips with yourself. And you're going to come to grips with the reality of who you are and the desperate need that you have of uh, being changed. And so this study is going to focus on that. And so uh, when I uh, use the term conquering our demons, well, that made some folks really nervous. And they didn't want to come this morning, make sure that they're not too... They're going to be the center of the focus this morning. But every one of us sitting here, uh, we have a lower nature. That lower nature expresses itself, uh, and the wonderful, uh, the wonderful uh, news 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ here, we do not have to live our lives in bondage to that nature. Can you say amen? That's the basic premise of Christianity. And as we start to move through this study, we're going to focus on that again and again and again. And so it's the promise of change. Now, historically, uh, great uh, theologians and writers and, and men who've wrestled with uh, this issue, uh, beginning with uh, Augustine, who was one of the major theologians of Christian history, Thomas Aquinas, others, they categorized uh, uh, this lower nature and focused on what they called seven deadly sins. Now, there are more than uh, that, or uh, it could be that these, uh, all of these move out uh, of that. So the issue is the flesh, the flesh and the spirit, and we're going to deal with this. Some of the writers uh, depict this as, uh, as wrestling with their own demons. And so this is where I get the title for that, or grappling with our uh, uh, inner nature. And the, uh, I think it was uh, Chuck uh, Haynes in breakfast the other day, he said the, the good news with this is that these are all sins. And having said that, that means that they can be forgiven. Can you say amen? We can have deliverance from them, and we can also have dominion on them. So I want to move some through some scriptures as we get a few more people in to start with. I want Genesis 32, 24 20, through 28. I want somebody to read that for me. Somebody help me. If Steve Hernandez would do that, put your finger in that. I'm going to call for that. I want Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. Somebody over in the far section. Uh, Woody, if you'll do that. Uh, Genesis 3, 17 and 18. Tom, if you want to get that for me. And then Genesis 4, verses 7 and 8, if, uh, if uh, uh, Louis will get that for me. So I want to begin this study this morning. We want to lay a foundation and uh, lay a foundation on the study, Conquering Our Demons, which literally is gaining dominion over our flesh so that we can live the Christian life. So looking back now to uh, this uh, ancient story of Jacob, now remember, Jacob's coming out of Haran. He's been there for 21 years. He has had a, an instruction in crooked human nature from his uh, uncle Laban, who the Bible says, he says, you've changed my wages 10 times. How many of you work for a boss this morning? The rest of you are loafing on welfare, are you? <laughs> you know, Pastoring is a wonderful uh, observation of human nature. Pe people, you know, they become cautious. I don't know if I need to raise my hand, you know. Somebody might identify me. So uh, if you work for a boss, probably you have an agreed wage that you're going to work for. Isn't that correct? And so think about this now. He's been up uh, with Uncle Laban. And uh, you know the whole story about uh, the two sisters and and uh, Laban snookers him on uh, Leah, old uh, weak eyes, and he's after the beautiful Rachel, but he slips in uh, Leah on him. And so all of this has taken place. Now God has moved on him. He's coming back now to his destiny, which is the promised land. And as he comes back to uh, the uh, uh, the destiny God's ordained for him, he comes face to face uh, now with who he is, he has a meeting place. He's alone with God. Read it for me, Steve. Genesis 32, verse 24 through 28. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, 
he touched the socket of his head. The socket of Jacob's head was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Okay, this gives us now a wonderful basis for understanding this uh, this lifelong uh, 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 wrestling with our lower man. And let's lay a little bit of foundation because we have to talk about the fall of man just for a moment. And so the fall of man uh, comes through disobedience uh, and the consequences of that because God is God. Can you say amen? He that comes to God must believe that he is God. And so uh, the very thought that there is a God, the understanding of that, every culture has that innate knowledge that there is a higher being. And so uh, knowing that there is a God, which is a sovereignty uh, being, then he does have uh, purposes, he does have commandments. Uh, and Genesis 3, 3, in the very beginning story of creation, we have a commandment, Genesis 3, 3. Okay, this is basic to understanding of life and the Bible. You don't need to any more than that. Here is God. God is God. God has purposes. Uh, he creates man, puts him in the garden uh, uh, there, uh, creates woman, puts her there, and gives them a commandment. Uh, here's a beautiful paradise. Every need of life is provided. Uh, this is a wonderful uh, uh, place to be. But he said, I've got one stipulation, one statement. You can eat uh, freely. You can enjoy this paradise I've created. But I have one uh, stipulation. That's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It is a commandment. It says, you can read of all these trees, but one tree... You do not touch, but in the day that you eat that, you will surely die. Now, coming to grips with that gives you great insight uh, into the issue that we're dealing with and why we even have to teach this class this morning. Uh, someone came to me and said they're just looking forward to this class this morning. And so, uh, ask me why I have to do this, because you need this. That's why I have to do this. <laughs> and... Uh, is it going to be something new? No, it's the same old stuff over and over again. <laughs> Just with a new face on it and a new title so that we can uh, come to grips with it. So you know the story. Man disobeys and uh, Genesis uh, 3, 17, 18. He has an enemy. That enemy has brought about the fall of God's wonderful creation. That's a whole story all of itself. We find this in Genesis 3, 17 and 18. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Okay, great key word there to understand all this is cursed. Curse. This is the result uh, of, and the consequence of man's disobedience from God. And so all of creation is cursed. 
This has to do with social dimensions. This has to do with physical uh, experience. This has to do with nature itself. And it has to do with a spiritual dimension. And so man's relational elements are going to be affected. This is why it's so, uh, it, it is so prominent uh, that we not only deal with this, the news is filled with it, the newspapers carry all of this every day, and this has to do with man's fallen nature in relationship to creation and relationship to his fellow man. And this uh, expresses itself out, Genesis 4, verses 7 and 8. If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sit lies at the door. And unto you shall be its desire, and thou shalt rule over it. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came and passed when they were in the field, and Cain goes up and against Abel his brother and slew him. Okay, here's the old, old story. The, Adam and Eve have two sons. Their names are Cain and Abel. Uh, Abel brings to God, according to God's direction, a sacrifice of the flock. And this is God's uh, uh, plan. This is his direction. This is how he is to be worshipped. Uh, but Cain has a better idea. He, uh, he's, uh, he's picked up the charismatic spirit. And so he decides that, uh, that uh, this is good enough as long as his, uh, he worships. Doesn't matter how he worships, just as long as he worships. So he brings the vegetables of the field, and as he brings them, God refuses that and re and rebukes him. And as he rebukes him, this uh, uh, brings a dimension uh, of uh, of his personality, uh, and uh, he's filled uh, with uh, bitterness. He's filled with uh, rebellion. He's filled with. He's upset by this. Uh, and so as he's up, uh, upset by this, God speaks to him and says, what are you upset about? I have a clear direction, just like I gave to your father, Adam and Eve in the garden. They disobeyed. I gave a clear direction, and you, uh, you didn't want to abide by that. And uh, so uh, he says to him, why are you angry? So then he speaks a tremendous word, and he says, uh, if you do well, you'll be accepted. You know, it, it, it's it's not that people sin, is this the end of the world? Can you say amen? But if you repent, that's what repentance means. You change your conduct, you change your mind, and you do what you should do. And God speaks to him, says, if you do well, everything will be all right. You'll be accepted. But if you don't do well, then sin has been released, and it's like a wild animal crouching at the door. It's like a leopard or a lion that's waiting, and if you don't do well, sin then comes on the scene, and uh, it's not going to be a good day for you. And this is the story that comes out. So sin's like an animal. Uh, I often uh, I, I ponder all the... Uh, sin is not what you do. Sin is what you are, a sinner, and sin is a spiritual dimension that has cursed the earth and its work and it's at work in every single dimension of, uh, of, of, uh, of creation. And so it's like an animal. So uh, as a result of that, then man is made subject to disease. This is one of the great wrestling and problems of life. Uh, we, uh, we pray constantly for people who sin uh, has uh, laid hold and cursed the human race, uh, and either because people have sinned individually 
many times, or because of the sin of Adam, we have inherited a curse, uh, and it's in the human race, uh, and, uh, and, and, this, uh, and this is expressed uh, and, uh, and works out. Uh, disease is incipient death. It's the beginning stages of death, uh, and all of nature is affected by man's uh, conduct. Uh, I want to uh, get Leviticus 18.25. Uh, maybe Jeff Cooper would find that while I'm talking. Uh, Leviticus 18.25. So uh, all of creation, remember I said uh, uh, that, uh, that uh, spiritually there is a consequence because sin has been released and is at work constantly in the human race. Uh, not only that, but socially this sin works out and we find constantly exploitation of other people. We find murder, uh, which uh, Cain and Abel, uh, Cain rose up uh, in his uh, in his anger against Abel, jealousy and envy, and uh, killed his brother Abel. Uh, we have uh, we have nature itself is affected, and this is well documented, and uh, and we're going to read a scripture about that. Uh, and so man's conduct. Uh, causes a nauseating condition even to the creation. Leviticus 18, verse 25. For the land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. For the land is defiled, and I'm going to visit uh, its iniquity upon it. And so here we have uh, a, uh, a vivid uh, 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 imagery. So I'm going to vomit its inhabitant. That's not a happy day. <laughs> See, man's smarter than God, and he didn't like to believe that, uh, but uh, it's all true. So I was just reading this morning about man's drought. I said, uh, well, <clears throat> if we quit sinning, maybe God will give us some rain. Amen. <laughs> Oh, well, you're, you're not scientific, Pastor Mitchell. You're, uh, what do they call me? I'm, uh, I'm um, uh, from the uh, uh, Stone Age. I'm like a Donis dinosaur. Well, uh, I believe the Bible. And the Bible says what it says. Not only says it there, but it says it several places and illustrates that. And there's been a number of uh, very dramatic illustrations. Okay, let's stop right there. We got a little foundation. And uh, question, argument, comment, insight. Uh, Wayne Cook. Jesus might be the ultimate and the devil's advocate this question, but... Okay, Wayne's going to be the devil's advocate this morning, so <laughs> listen to what he has to say. God knows everything, and he knows the future. Yeah. And we know that as a fact. There was a period of time before the fall... I don't think we know how much time was between Adam's created and Adam's sin. But during that period of time, it appears as though God knew man was going to fall and set him up because that's how he created, created man with a violation. Is it possible that God could have not allowed or foreknew that he wouldn't fall and earth really prospered tremendously for centuries okay. or okay here's the great question of the ages when we get to heaven we can ask god about that okay uh the world is bigger than your backyard 
And so prior to this, if you, uh, if you look, there's another uh, story that's at work in the background that has to do with Lucifer, right? And so he's the one that comes into the garden. He's the one that causes Adam and Eve to sin and the curse to come upon them. And that agenda uh, we can only speculate about. He hates what God has created, and he cannot rest until he has defiled it. That's another story. Uh, and some of that we can only speculate about a little bit. You'll find in Isaiah 14, uh, Lucifer says, uh, I will ascend. I think seven times he said, I, 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 I. And we see that played out all the time, don't we? People are playing this song, I, 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 me, 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 me. And so that's, a, that's one of the great uh, curses that come upon. That's another story. And so that we can only speculate about that, and that question has been asked. Uh, but I know that we can trust God. He has a purpose. He has a plan. And uh, at the moment, I'm wrestling with some demons, and so... I'll leave that to God. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> He's a thinker. Okay. Somebody else. Who is it? Uh, it's Amador. I clean water bowls, you know, and all these people have a lot of spiders or rats or worms in their house, and they live there. They're going to be pretty rich. And one thing that astounds me about them is they get this stuff, they also poop in their house. And they, they want, I throw it on the trucks and they want to go after a rabbit, but they don't care about their money. And they all have a Bible in their house, a Christian Bible, and they read every day. So what do you think about that? Okay, I didn't catch the first part. You you work at what? Do? Clean border holes. Clean. Borders. Older homes. Older homes, okay. <laughs> okay. And so uh, they don't care about it. They care, don't care about uh, what, their money? They don't care about their money. They have hundreds of dollars laid up everywhere. And all they care about their stuff, even though it's full of food. And they take the truck and try to take it out, bring it back in. Yeah. So it's just amazing, this study. And they're all supposed to be Christians. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we're eating at, uh, at our, your favorite place, the Golden Corral, the other day, and I came back and I said, a cockroach ran across our table. So. <laughs> Any exterminator knows where you see one, there's 10 million more somewhere. <laughs> So I don't want to ruin your lunch, but uh, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so the issue is extermination. Is that it, Amador? <laughs> Going to get the. We got to get the the stuff out of our stuff. Okay. So somebody else. Question. Uh, it's Bear. Pastor, I remember a long time ago you said you can cast demons out, but you can't cast. Can't cast the flesh out. That's it. Yeah. And, and, and there was a there was a movement that, that went through the church at least in California yep. in the eighties. You know where it was uh, it was all casting demons. Out. Demon mills. Yep. And uh, and there was and what was missing in it, you know, uh, was repentance. Yeah. Uh, because if you blame your if you blame your sin on the devil and you never face your responsibility in it. You never get delivered. Yeah. 
So th this is very true. So what we're what we're uh, dealing with this this is is a misnomer when they these writers said conquering uh, your demons. Uh, it, uh, it it actually it has to be a maintaining of a lifestyle, and that's what we're going to come to grips with, and all of the the demon mills. Yeah, you can't cast out the flesh. That's the question. Okay, very good. Anybody else before we move ahead? Okay, so let me get some more scriptures if uh, we could for a moment. Um, uh, well, let's let's just uh, let's let's talk about the issue of sin for a few minutes this evening, this morning, and so uh, humankind as Bear said, ignores the solution that we have. I, I was listening to the radio uh, this past week, I think it was, and uh, they uh, 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 they gave the total, if I recall correctly, Prescott is the rehab center of the United States. Uh, if I recall correctly, they said that we have 186 rehab houses in Prescott. It's, it's so prolific that the city council is uh, becoming alarmed and trying to pass regulations and register all these. Uh, but uh, this is the this is solution. So they have AAs, right? They have uh, drug rehab programs of various kinds. They have all kinds of institutional uh, 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 operations. We have prisons. How many of you know why prisons exist? That's because people are sinners. And their sin is so bad that they're a harm to society and they're trying to shut them away for a period of time and uh, and the uh, United States has become a massive prison population and so they're wrestling with this because sin uh, is at work and this is a huge expense. I read an article uh, maybe a month ago, that the uh, 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 U.S. is a capitalist country. So in capitalism, people start thinking about how they can make money. And that, that's what capitalism is all about. How can I make some money? And so uh, now they, uh, private enterprise entered into the prison industry and says, we'll, we'll do this for you. You don't need to do this. Uh, we're going to build these prisons. And you just pay us so much for each uh, each uh, person in, and we'll take all the responsibility for that. And so uh, they're becoming alarmed, and uh, some of the sheriffs are saying, we can do that a lot cheaper than they're doing that. So this is raging <laughs> in our society. The only reason we have that is because sin is at work. Isn't that correct? And so uh, whether... Uh, there are arguments whether rehabilitation actually takes place. They're called penal institutions, which is punishment institutions. And so huge expense. Uh, and uh, I have a, a, a several articles. I clipped out two articles this morning. I'm very interested because uh, I pay attention to uh, human beings. And, and uh, if you want to be a pastor, you have to... You have to kind of have a little bit of idea of what makes people tick. And so there's a movement moving forward now that people are not really responsible for their actions. And there's a big study on uh, babies that uh, they're born into the world. And uh, the article I read uh, was that uh, these mass murders they said, maybe we can detect this at birth. 
and uh, <laughs> and so uh, that people really aren't uh, responsible for that. That didn't begin this month. It began back in uh, studying homosexuality. They're not uh, they're not responsible for this. They're like this at birth, and so uh, it's interesting to see these uh, trends come through to remove responsibility for human beings for their conduct. So now uh, back to poor Cain, you know, he's born this way. And so as the reason he murdered Abel is because uh, he couldn't help it. The, the, uh, the hormones and, uh, and the genes are there. And so I just couldn't help myself. Well, the Bible tells a different story. Isn't that correct? We are responsible. That's the very essence of a God who rules in heaven above that this is sin at work. So as we begin to ponder that for a moment, there's an interesting little poem that I picked up uh, years ago. It says, sin is a monster of such frightful mien. To be hated needs only to be seen. But seen too oft, familiar with her face, uh, we first abhor, then endure, then embrace. What insight that poet, that's an old, old, old poem, but it gives us this in, insight uh, that sin is a monster, which it indeed is. Can you say amen? There are people sitting here this morning. You are scarred by the horrible actions of sin that have uh, fastened upon your life. Some of you here uh, this morning been delivered from uh, the hatred and the bitterness and the resentment. Some of you hear uh, that anytime somebody speaks about guilt, uh, suddenly you begin to be frightened. They're going to bring up your sin. So uh, it is a monster. Now, to be hated needs only to be seen. Anybody that's ever had to deal with human being, uh, broken marriages, uh, violated human personality, uh, uh, sexual uh, uh, pedophilia that has, uh, is at work constantly, uh, it, it is to be hated. Can you say amen? But then it gives another little insight, and it says, but seen too often. Familiar with her face, we first abhor, or we're shocked at that, but then we endure that and then embrace. So here we have this uh, interesting dimension of sin. Uh, this is what uh, the devil's constantly at work about, is to uh, propagandize and to desensitize uh, over certain sins. And as we're sitting in this place this morning, we have been in the United States of America constantly bombarded and uh, uh, suddenly uh, the agenda now is taking root in our uh, in our society that uh, perversion, pedophilia, well, you know, it, uh, uh, if you're homosexual, uh, it's just uh, you're born that way. Well, that's not true. That's a choice. Not only is it a choice, but if you get into the inner workings of it and see the horrible outrageous uh, outworking of that, why well, it's enough to uh, cause the land to puke as it uh, is really is pro pro uh, prophesied in the scripture. I take a number of publications and, uh, and uh, very interesting, there's one this last weekend is the Pope has, uh, has uh, come under attack now and uh, no less a moral example than the United Nations have now come out, and the Pope's a bad bird. This guy's uh, not taking care of uh, the uh, perversion in the Catholic Church, and so uh, here uh, they're crying out for him to take care of the. 
And so in the Washington Times, uh, a very, very interesting article. I just looked it over this morning, and uh, as I looked this over, uh, this uh, this man is saying, uh, "Why are you why, why are you dancing around the issue? The issue is that something unnatural is propagated in the Catholic Church, and that is uh, uh, priests and nuns that do not uh, enter into marriage, and uh, they're uh, living this holy life, but they're trying to repress the natural." God-given uh, inclinations, uh, and because of that, you have pedophilia and child uh, violation everywhere. And so it's very interesting. This guy's a Baptist. He writes in the Washington Times, uh, uh, named Pruden. And so he says, uh, uh, this, this moral authority, get down to the nitty-gritty. This is what the problem is. This is what's producing that. You're trying to uh, repress something that is a natural human appetite, uh, and you're, as you're doing that, uh, uh, then you're missing the point totally, and it's very, very interesting. Then there's another article. It was in the morning paper this morning, and uh, this is about child pedophilia and, uh, 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 and, and computers. And uh, it was very, very interesting uh, article on that. They've just uh, uh, exposed a large ring of that. And uh, this is sin. Can you say amen? Sin at work. And you have the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the issue and the issues at work in human society. And, uh, I think it was just two local girls here. Uh, I, what was the date? I wrote it down. Two local, January 15, two attempted abductions to two young girls here in the city of Prescott. This is, this is the cleanest town on earth. Amen. I mean, these are good people live in Prescott, Arizona. Uh, but these were articles in the paper, attempted abduction, and you can only imagine the horror that would be involved uh, from that. And so then we can move on to uh, uh, deceit, uh, each of us. How many of you ever bought a used car? <laughs> Where's Adam? Adam's not here this morning. He came to us. He came one morning and said, I got a new job. I'm a used car salesman. I said, oh, dear God. <laughs> Very hard to be a Christian, Adam, and be a used car salesman. <laughs> Poor Adam. And so, and so we finally talked him out of it before he left. He said, I'm going to quit the job and get another job. So <laughs> Why do we say that? Out of experience. How many of you, how, how many of you uh, bought a used car thinking that it was going to be what it wasn't? <laughs> And as soon as the detail wore off and, uh, and it began to see what really was there, you saw that you got uh, taken to the cleaner. They did not tell you the truth. And so deceit, we deal with that. We deal with this in, uh, in the corporate world. Who uh, One of the major ones, Bernie Madoff, uh, who made off of $50 billion of people's money. He's in prison this morning. And uh, you say, how could he do that? Through lying and deceit. <coughs> So that's a major one, but uh, uh, how many of you have ever invested any money in anything? Let me see your hand. Okay. So I remember it was back in uh, probably 1978 or so. My wife and I uh, amassed $20,000, and we said, we've got to invest this. So they uh, had an ad in the paper. We get 9%. Well, in 19... 
80. That's pretty good bucks, you know. The going rate was probably six. And okay, let's put this in. Lemon and Associates. So uh, we're we're cutting a fat hog, as the country boys say. Uh, and so uh, it was uh, three months before we're going to get our money back out. We get a letter from uh, Lemon and Associates. It was aptly named this outfit. <laughs> <laughs> It went belly up. So I think over a long period of time, if letters come back and forth, I think we finally uh, got $12,000 out of it after the bankruptcy court uh, moved in. But uh, I'm talking about reality, right? We're talking about sin. And so the reason that that was so is because of sin in the human nature that twists human personality uh, and is true uh, corporately. Uh, dare I get into the political <laughs> uh, every successful liar, uh, uh, politician is a liar, right? See, why do you say that? Because they have to be. They tell the truth, nobody will vote for them. And so we've got the head perpetrator living, living, running the country today. Immorality, highest offices of the land. Uh, we can talk about Bill Clinton, then we can move into our realm, Jimmy Swaggart, uh, Jimmy Baker. So what we have then is sin. This is why we're doing this study, and uh, we're, not gonna, we're not going to exhaust the study, but we are going to focus in, and, uh, and so what we have then is the vulnerability of human nature and the need to change. Okay, back to Jacob. We started out with Jacob wrestling with an angel, Genesis 32. And I need some scripture. I need Genesis 25, verse 26. Somebody help me right here. Genesis 25, verse 26. I need uh, Genesis 25, 30 through 33. Is, uh, is it Rob? Okay. Uh, uh, Genesis 25, 30 through 33. And if you're running the screen, this is a typographical error. It's not going to be on there. And so we have to correct that, but this is Genesis 25, 33. So you can bypass that. I want Genesis 27, 35, and 36. Somebody over here, help me. Is uh, Casey. I want Genesis 27, verse 41. Is Chris. And so let's, uh, let's move through these. Okay. So uh, here is a man named Jacob. This is how we uh, began the study. And so we have to take a little history of Jacob to begin to understand why he comes down from Haran. He has a meeting with God, and he's wrestling with God because uh, here is a man that uh, has a nature, and this nature begins from the moment that he's born. Genesis 25, verse 26. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when he, when she bore them. Okay, so here, uh, if you want to make the argument, you'd have some uh, maybe credibility on, uh, on uh, Jacob from birth. Uh, but this is when he was born. This abnormality was they're twins. And so as he came out of the womb, he had his hand on uh, Esau's heel. And so they named him, and his name actually means uh, uh, heel grabber, heel catcher, supplanter, cheater, defrauder, and deceiver. Now, that's not a good way to start life. 
this is the guy they were talking about. And so history then begins to move through. And uh, as it begins to move through, he exploits the weakness of his brother Esau. Every human being has a weakness in human nature and personality. This begins to work itself out. Seven deadly sins we're going to talk about, greed, hatred, envy, uh, lust, and so on. And so uh, 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 one of these uh, is uh, expressing uh, exploitation of his brother, and we find this in Genesis 27, verses 35 and 36. Said, your brother came with the seed and taken away your blessing. And Esau, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these three times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing yet for me? Okay, here's an interesting little chapter, and this, this just uh, uh, gives a capitalization of an event that happened. Esau is a hunter. And so uh, he's out. He's a rough, hairy guy. He uh, makes uh, makes uh, animals die, and they eat them uh, to the to the uh, chagrin of Al Gore and his crowd. So uh, his dad really does love uh, some of the uh, food that he prays. Uh, so he says to him, uh, "Before I die, I want you to make me some of that." So he goes out to hunt that. But uh, Jacob's a mama's boy. And so uh, Mama uh, and him cook up this little uh, this little uh, scheme, and that scheme is uh, you go kill a, a uh, goat real quick, and we'll fix this up. We'll feed Dad. You're going to get the blessing. Now, Dad's blind as a bat. He can't see. And so they do this little scheme, puts Harry, uh, uh, the goat hair on his arm and on his chest, and he goes in, feeds his dad. He really likes that, smacks his lips, and gives him a blessing. So... Uh, here then, uh, it, it notes this little thing. He meets Esau as he comes out of the field. And as Esau's there, uh, he smells the beans are cooking, lentils. And so the aroma of this uh, comes up. I don't know uh, what kind of spices he had. But uh, Esau said, give me some of that. I'm starving to death. And he said, no, 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 no. You're not here. This is mine. Mine is one of the first words you learn in the English language. This is mine. And uh, he said, I'm going to die. Well, that's not true. He, he wasn't going to die, but at least uh, when fallen human nature is faced with temptation, they think they're going to die unless it's gratified, right? So he said, I'm going to die. He said, okay, but uh, on one, on one, uh, on one uh, condition, you're going to give me your birthright. Now, remember, Esau has the birthright. He's the oldest in the, son, in the family. This means that a double blessing, a double portion of the inheritance is going to be his. This means he has the right of the spiritual dimension in the home. This means he has double the blessing. And so this is not just words. And Jacob says, you sell me your birthright and you can have that. And Esau despises his birthright given by God and eats the beans and from that moment, his destiny is sealed. It changes all the dimensions. And this scripture that we have is a sequel to that because here is the human personality exploiting the weakness of his brother and doing it twice now, not only the birthright, but also the blessing which his father is going to get him. And Hebrews reiterates that. It's mentioned a couple other places. But in Hebrews, uh, gives us the insight, says that when uh, when he came to his father, uh, his father could not be changed uh, 
although he sought it uh, 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 the anguish bitterly with tears. Uh, and his father said, I've blessed and it shall be so. It can't be changed. Okay. So, uh, 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 Jesus, Genesis uh, 27, 41, I said that verse. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Okay, here's the two uh, issues that come. And Esau hates Jacob for that. And he makes a vow. And he said, uh, Dad's about to die. And when he dies, I'm going to kill this guy. Well, that's pretty. That's pretty deep uh, expression of sin. Isn't that correct? When you're going to take a human life, then this means that this is a, a, a very deep and a profound uh, uh, dimension of the human personality. But thank God for the gospel now. God's agenda is changed. So I want uh, Genesis 32, verse 6, way over on the left over there. Somebody help me. Genesis 32, verse 6. One, two, going. Okay, who is it? Rich? No, it's uh, Al. Uh, Genesis uh, 32, verse 6. Genesis 32, 25. I saw another hand over there. It's Casey. And I want Genesis 32, 32. It's in the back, Pete Baker. I want Proverbs 16, 7, verse 7. Proverbs 16, verse 7. Is Chris. I want uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Is uh, uh, Jeremiah uh, Sawyer. Okay. So let's move these through. God's agenda. Thank God. See, God is God, and God could have said, you did the deed, uh, pay the price. What's the, what's the convict say? Uh, you, did the, uh, you did the crime, do the time. And so he could have done that. But you see, what we have in the Bible is a revelation of a loving and a redemptive God who does not want human beings to remain in bondage in the same, and it's provided a change. And so here we have... Uh, uh, Jacob wrestling with the angel of God. Sooner or later, you are going to come face to face with God and, it, it, and, and what you're going to do. Genesis 32, verse 6. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, He came to your brother Esau, and also he comes to meet you. He had 400 men with him. Okay, Jacob uh, is coming back now. God's directing him to come back to his destiny. And Esau finds out about this. And so he's coming to meet him. Remember the last words we find about uh, Esau. When I see you again, you're going to be dead. So obviously these 400 men didn't come over to play soccer. <laughs> is that correct? That's just basic Bible interpretation. I mean, this is going to be a bloody scene. But he has a meeting with God, and something entirely different takes place uh, 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 Genesis thirty-two twenty-five. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. Socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Okay, then he changed his name, and he changed his nature. Genesis thirty-two thirty-two. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel did not eat the muscle of the strength which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle of the strength. Okay, change his name. You're no longer going to be Jacob. You're going to be Israel, which is a prince of God, and this is the hope of the Christian life. Read Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
fully accepted the God and the reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove to us good and Okay, this is the change. If you're taking notes, Matthew 26, 41, write that down. Matthew 26, 41. 1 Samuel 10, verse 6. 1 Samuel 10, verse 9. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. These all document the wonderful promise of change. So let's open for a comment or question for, uh, for that. This is the hope of the Christian life is to gain dominion over our lower nature. That's the hope and the promise of the Christian life. Okay, let's have some questions or comment this morning. We've got about five minutes. <coughs> Nobody has a single question. I'm going to give you a test next week. I'm going to find out. So that's okay. Ken Herman. The, uh, the story in the New Testament about the, uh, the demon that was cast out of the person, and then it goes and it gets... Uh, seven more homies and it comes back and it says that he finds the place empty and so I think that's part of the problem is the person got delivered but uh, didn't get filled with the fullness of God Okay. so then the demons will be able to come back yeah, the reason we're teaching this class is to keep it filled amen Very, Luke 11 I think that is when the unclean spirit goes out of a man walks through dry places seeking rest and then it returns to his his house note that his house from which he came uh, and uh, he finds it swept and empty takes with him seven other demons worse than himself they enter in the last state of that man is uh, is is worse than the first which is a, a horrible commentant on backsliding okay one one or two more questions Steve Garfield you haven't talked about demons too much, but is sin what opens the door to demon Disobedience uh, opens the door to demonic power. Yes. Uh, uh, ending comment, as I, I, I say, is that God created man a sovereign creature. He, in other words, he gives him a will of choice. You choose your future. He will not violate that. And the devil can't violate that. This is why the devil came into the garden and said uh, to Eve, this is a wonderful tree to eat. If you'll eat this tree, you'll be wise like God. You're able to choose both good and evil. And she disobeyed, gave her husband. He disobeyed. This is what opens the door to demonic influence and expression. Okay, God bless you. Next uh, week we get together to talk about your demons.